Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts they said what the f- are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm a feminist, but... While I spend around 5% of my day thinking about gender equality, I spend about 71% of my day practicing how I would dance if Idris Elba was watching. (laughs) (laughs) Work like you don't need the money, love like you've never been hurt, dance like Idris Elba is watching. How, do, how would you do, could you just I know it's a mixture of sexy and intelligent okay which is hard in sexy dancing sexy and intelligent well that's why you've got to practice so much I <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. it's so hard to look clever in a dance I just put some glasses on because I do think I look oh, clever in glasses yeah. yeah I'm a feminist but I saw a headline on Twitter that read feminist Justin Trudeau delivers a deeply unfeminist first budget so I clicked on it And then I decided I was having too crappy a day to deal with that idea and closed it down. (laughs) I'm a feminist, but I wish my feminist butt was smaller and less hairy. I'm a feminist, but later I went back to the Justin Trudeau delivers a deeply unfeminist first budget article, read it, and came up with an argument for each point the writer was making in my head. 
<laughs> because he is a feminist and I won't have it any other way. <laughs> I don't care what he's spending Canada's money on. He is a feminist, he's my feminist. It's going to happen that the two of us at some point are going to be feminists together in bed. Or I'd actually be all right with a sort of Prime Minister's office. I'd actually don't want to go to bed with him. I want it to happen somewhere sort of illicit and exciting so the door's unlocked in his office and someone could come in at any moment and he just has to have me. I've gone in to talk about feminism or something. Yeah. And I've gone in to sort of talk about women's equality, probably inclusion, yes. probably, probably diversity inclusion. And I'll probably like, include this. Just in. But um, I honestly, honestly respect your plan completely. But my worry is this might be the end of his political career. So while you have this amazing office sex, the rest of his country is yeah. suffering. I won't let us be caught, though. Like, I could have already done that. You'll never you know. You said it was an unlocked door, and you've told all of us it's happening. <laughs> <laughs> this is the worst secret plan I've ever heard. No. Well, but I could be double bluffing. It could have already happened. No one came in. No. Anyway, okay. he's got married with children. This is a terrible, terrible fantasy. Yeah, and those guys never do nothing. So... <laughs> so... <laughs> so... <laughs> I'm a feminist, but... If you told me that there could be a direct exchange and that the gender wage gap would be closed if I was just single for one year, look forward to being 17% down per annum. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but sometimes I wish I were young in the 60s when the sisterhood broke the back of feminism so that my work was done and I could just relax now and watch Say Yes to the Dress with a bottle of Baileys. <laughs> Well, say yes to the dress. Oh, it's fucking brilliant. It's um, women who are getting married mm -hmm. need a wedding dress. Do they? That's the show. Okay. The what? whole show. They go to a <laughs> they go to a they go to a wedding dress shop, and then somebody helps them with a wedding dress. I mean, that is the show, and there's no more to it. That you never see the wedding. Nothing. Tell me, this isn't shoes. the world now. Are we like two steps away from? And she just needs a Sainsbury's shop. <laughs> so we're gonna go around and look oh, in her cupboards and see what I'd she needs. I'd be amazed needs. if that wasn't already a show. We just see her try on dresses and her mother's there and the bridesmaids are there and they're going, oh, I don't think so. And then they go, oh, that's the one. And they cry. The grandmother cries. And you cry. And they go, and I, I don't cry, but I just, I just drink more Baileys. I enjoy it very much. I enjoy it very, very much. Have you tried drinking Baileys on its own? Because it might be the Baileys. Because <laughs> this sounds like a, I mean, it's a, it's a creamy, delicious drink and this sounds like a terrible programme. Yeah, no, it is a, it's a terrible programme, but there is a part of me. And I'm not saying, by the way, if you're listening at home and you were part of the 60s, breaking the back of feminist movement. I know what you're doing right now is ringing people up saying, please vote for Hillary. I'm aware that you're not just lying about watching Say Yes to the Dress and you're horrified by this. I'm saying it's what I would do if I'd already done my bit. Yeah. Not what I assume <laughs> but then Gloria Steiner so was doing. So what will happen, like, I mean, everyone in this room is trying to do something good. So what will happen like, when we're in our 50s and 60s? Are we going to stop? No, no. But I'm thinking, if you were young in the 60s, I mean, Gloria Steinem is 80, and she's still doing feminism. That's what she does. I, mean, yeah. I mean, I don't know what doing feminism means, but she's still touring and talking and yeah. having meetings. Yeah, someone should email her and be like, bitch, your time is done. <laughs> <laughs> like, make room for the young ones. No, 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 no. If you're listening, as I really hope she listens to our podcast. And I want her to, please, don't stand between me and Gloria Steinem, because I will cut you. Um, I love her so much. Yeah, she's so... Live from King's Place in London, the Spot Today Shop presents The Guilty Feminist with Deborah Francis White and Sarah Pascoe. And tonight's special guest is Ashling B, talking about ethical clothing. 
This is The Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and our hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. What's your challenge, Sarah? What did you do for your challenge my for challenge, ethical clothing? This is going to sound like such a lazy challenge. Yeah. My challenge is to find out where my line is. I think it's very difficult for me. No, I think it's very difficult in the Western world because no matter what, even as a, I'm a vegan who tries to shop ethically across all of the board, no matter what I am buying someone else somewhere is suffering for it. Yes. So whether that is an animal or another human being, whether it's metaphorical or not, my boots are on someone else's head somewhere. And so I need to find a line where it's like, that's it. I try my best, but I just have to accept that unless I kill myself, we're awful. And we allow it, and we have to put blinkers on. Do you know David Attenborough? Well, there was a... <laughs> we do. He's to blame. We're, fam- we're <laughs> familiar with David. So David... I watched a programme that David Attenborough was narrating and it showed these really like lovely sea baboons. No. Snow baboons. <laughs> snow baboons. <laughs> snow baboons. Well, I, can, I only wonder where this is going now. <laughs> no, but what it was, there's a, they have a matriarchal hierarchy and essentially they have these like hot pools but only the alpha women are allowed to get in it. Some of the women, monkeys, baboons, snow baboons, some of the snow baboons are in this hot, delicious water kind of going, this is life. And then the, the beta women are shivering, oh, shivering no. at the side watching and you're watching it going, this is so, in, like I say, inhuman. How, how could anyone be in okay? baboon? In baboon. In, sim- in, sim- yeah. in simian. There's enough room pain. for all of the baboons, but they don't invite them in. We have something going on that we're blind to. We're blind to it every day. I've got time. I should be able to look at absolutely everything. There are websites that you can go on and check, what is this person's policy on this? Or how do they run this? Or, oh, this is a, a British company that's small. I'll support them. You should do that for everything. Whereas I find at the moment I've got little moments of it and then huge swathes of... Don't tell me. Mm. Yeah. So in this, you are the alpha snow baboon, just yeah, to be clear. of course. Yeah, I am. We are all alpha snow baboons. We are, all of us are, yeah. I see this with my cats. I've got two cats. When we got them, we brought them back to our place. They're tiny kittens, but one was slightly bigger. And Mimi, she walked out of her carry case and she did the full scout of the whole joint. She made sure everything was fine, came back to where Toast was sort of had three legs out of her carry case and couldn't come any further and said, it's okay, Toast, you're all right, and took her out. So she was alpha from then. She was tiny bit bigger, that's all it was. And to this day, even though Toast is just as big as Mimi, if we give them treats, Mimi gets first dibs at the treats and will come over sometimes and take Toast's mm-hmm. treat from her. And Toast is fine with her. She would rather not have a treat than to break the chain of command. I'm worried that because she... of the name she thinks you're going to eat her. <laughs> I think that her fear think? from the right from the very beginning, like I'm food. <laughs> I don't think she knows that. I, she has got a sillier name. It's true. That that we see in nature. The whole point of us being humans is we are beyond that. We're not Mimi just going. Well, I'm the alpha. I can take the treat. We have to look at that and go. Why is someone shivering? Yeah, we have a conscious mind, which should always be making us question. But in terms of how reasonable is it for me to go up to a single mother with three children and go, you shouldn't buy that tuna because of this, or this is happening in the sea, or this is happening to single mothers like you in Bangladesh? How reasonable is it us? Because everyone has to have a line where it's okay. So what was your challenge? Find my line. Find your line. Did you find your line? I need to stop shopping <laughs> for clothes. Because, and I think at all, like as in I don't need them. I don't need clothes. Right. I don't need them. But sometimes I'll be like, oh, it's Tuesday. Mm." 
and I'm feeling a bit oh, just like grey in my belly. Um, I sometimes think that like, maybe like me buying shoes is the only thing really keeping our economy afloat. So like, <laughs> so I should just carry on. <laughs> and then I go in there like, well, I don't buy leather shoes because I'm one of the good guys. And then I buy all the shoes that aren't leather. Yeah, I hear that. I have a terrible feeling. If I buy cheap clothes, I just see the faces of the sweatshop workers. And if I buy expensive clothes, I just see all of the faces of the people in poor countries who would eat for a year on that money. So I can only really be happy naked. Please welcome to the stage, Sarah Pascoe! Okay, this is going to seem like it's slightly off topic in terms of ethical clothing, but this is how I got here. Basically, the problem with sweatshops is that we are all very aware that because of capitalism, people work in extraordinarily awful conditions in order to keep costs down. But then there also comes into play this idea of how we should tell other people how to live. Essentially, this has brought me to the point of researching strip clubs. Um, <laughs> I want to write about the sex industry and pornography and stripping and it seems like a very very odd thing to write about if you have absolutely no first-hand experience and so someone might suggest oh why don't you go and try being a stripper for a night and then the other part of me was thinking I'll just go and visit some strip clubs as a punter uh, <laughs> I believe is the word um, but I'm very 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 nervous about it and I don't know what will happen when I go into a strip club I don't know how I will react I don't know how they will react I feel very concerned and so what I have written is a list of scenarios of how this could work out number one I walk in shyly it's dark the gloom is brightened intermittently by a strobe or coloured spotlight. There are women spinning round poles, girls on chairs and tables, grinding in thongs. There are several men of differing ages, but they are all looking towards me and masturbating because I'm unavailable and we all love a challenge. <laughs> genuinely worried about that. Uh, number two. I walk in, blah, 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 gloom, lights, etc. I take a booth. The chair is cold and slightly sticky. There are olives on the table in front of me. Within moments, I am joined by a nubile black girl. What are you here for? She asks. I'm writing a book, I say, hoping to inspire her, but not in a judgy way. <laughs> oh, I recognise you now, she says. You're the only feminist I like because you're inspiring but not judgmental. <laughs> You're right, I say. Feminism is a competition. And I'm the winner. And then we get off with each other respectfully. <laughs> Scenario number three. The second I walk into the strip club, Peter Stringfellows offers me one million pounds to strip for him. Only if you let the other women go, I say. I'll dance for you if you let them be free. <laughs> and I begin to wiggle to let him know I'm serious. <laughs> they are not prisoners here, growls Peter. And, and he's proved right when all of the other dancers stay where they are, dancing and looking at me jealously because I have a million pounds and the attention of their owner. <laughs> I say, I've had too many Sambucas because I'm trying to get pregnant. It's really stressful. Um, Oi, don't look at me like that. This is sisterhood and I'm trying my best. Give us the million pounds then, they say. No, I say. <laughs> that would teach you the wrong lesson. That would teach you that dancing naked pays. 
it does pay, <laughs> they say. And I left because I was wrong. <laughs> Scenario number four. I walk in, it's gloomy, lights, etc. Ladies look at them and I realise I'm a lesbian, but I'm like a really oogly one who enjoys objectification. <laughs> uh, <laughs> number five. I walk in, I cry the whole time, just at everyone, which is patronising, but I can't help it. I'm just sad for everyone there. The men, the women, the tables and the poles. Um, <laughs> Uh, scenario number six. Uh, I'm there, but there's a power cut. <gasps> the strip club is dark and quiet. We need entertainment! <laughs> yells a fat, rich, married man like you find at strip clubs. <laughs> <laughs> okay then, I yell back, and I start performing a rousing Brechtian style speech, which is agitating and beautiful. <laughs> and it summarises how when choices are driven by financial necessity, then they are not really choices. There is no freedom to make them. Anyone below a certain income should not be allowed to undertake sex work. Only rich people, like proper nymphos, are really into it. They can do it. They can do it. Fine, I'm not stopping anyone who wants to do it but those who do need the money the lights come back on but everyone is still listening anyone who does need the money should be subsidised instead by a government we need a safety net your boobs need a safety net shouts the man <laughs> I had taken my top and bra off in the safety of darkness and now my small but saggy boobs were there for everyone to see <laughs> the end <laughs> told me that thing about I see the faces of the children making those clothes I thought it was like a pizza express and when you were going into Primark like they had this glass bit with all the kids I've imagined doing that in a movie actually I've got like yeah that you see these people kind of sewing and sewing and children would you still pick it up and go oh that's nice and only 15 quid it's not even just like oh it's the physical work I think people go oh it's just that it's hard work or they're hot factories no it's like sleeping on concrete it's like little marked out things it's the not being allowed breaks or people I mean it's it's, it's the whole conditions around it so that's the other side of it is using the, the pressure sending emails writing saying I don't want to have to boycott your company, but I would love it if this thing happened. Yeah. What I did yeah. for my challenge, challenge yeah. Yeah, yeah, was I decided to get everything out of my wardrobe and decide if I could find out where it had all come from. Because I do this corporate work, I've had to, I haven't had to, but I've been encouraged to kind of go and buy more upmarket clothes and, and I've done that. And I've enjoyed doing it, I have to say. Like I can pretend, oh, it's all just because that's for my job and blah, blah, blah. But I have enjoyed wearing nicer clothes with a nicer line and also there is an ethical thing that I'm very incredibly lucky to be able to buy those things but at the same time there is a piece of ethics where you go I'm pretty sure this has been made in a way that is you know paying people 2p an hour and them having to work 18 hours a day but what I've discovered was that was an assumption I was making and it isn't actually true or at least we don't know if it's true so I did two things one is I went on this website ethicalconsumer.org and I signed up to it because you get these magazines and newsletters about what's happening. And, for example, this is in terms of sort of how they look after people. There's all sorts of things that breaks down, like environment, cruelty to animals, that kind of thing. And this one was about how they treat people. Companies who declined to respond to the survey, i.e. nothing to say, they scored zero. You can get really low scores if you won't fess up to what you're doing. And they included Asda, which didn't surprise me, and Armani, which did. They included Sainsbury's, which didn't surprise me, and Hugo Boss, which did. And it tends to be really cheap brands and really expensive brands that won't say what they're doing, which is really interesting. And then the next category was doing next to nothing to ensure workers are paid enough to live on. That included Aldi and included Debenhams. Then could do better, but doing okay. For example, they're acknowledging the need for a living wage, but doing little to make it a reality. So these are companies that are going, wouldn't a living wage be good? 
and they include Aurora Fashions, which is Coast Oasis Warehouse. And a lot of those mid-range were at least acknowledging it was a problem. Gap, Lidl, Nike, Next and Tesco. Some effort, mention of work on living wages, but unconvincing so far. And that was Adidas, Dorothy Perkins, Topshop, Monsoon, Primark, Puma and New Look. And then on the way, started to increase wages, but not enough yet, included Marks and Spencer, Zara, Pull and Bear. And then there was the final category was companies doing significant work and really doing it properly. And that included no companies. There's not one company that, according to this website, was doing uh, ethical consumers. So the main one I couldn't find out where my clothes were made was my undies, my knickers, a Ted Baker, B for Baker, which I get in Debenhams. And they're about 10 quid a pair. They're not crazy expensive. But I think, you know, hopefully of 10 quid a pair, people aren't being paid nothing to make them. And I couldn't find out anything. Now, I'm going to confess something to you now. I'm slightly embarrassed about it. I'm going to confess something. This is a bit real unfamous, but one reason I had no information is I'd been sharing digs with other comedians and we'd all been sharing a drying rack and I'd cut the labels out of my pants because I didn't want other people to see what size they were. Oh. <laughs> Do people go around looking at other people's pants size? Yes. Because other comedians are going to be... I don't think... I don't want to defend my industry, but I don't think we're that kind of guy. Like Other comedians are going to look at my pants and they're going to judge the size. That's what I thought in my mind when I cut the labels out. Now, I don't know. I have no evidence to say that anyone's ever done it. I've never looked at anyone's pants size. I have, and that's why I did it. Now, oh! <laughs> As thief assumes, so like everyone's a, a woman's pants. You think, oh, what size are you? <laughs> no, a, man, a man's size. <laughs> I take it back. I've never done it. And, uh, so I cut them out. So I didn't. So I didn't have the label which said made in China or made in you know wherever. So I just thought, oh, I don't know. So I rang Ted Baker. I didn't explain that I'd cut the label out because I thought, you know, don't know the lady on the other end of the phone. I said, could you tell me where my Ted Baker knickers are made? And she went, um, well, it depends where they were made. <laughs> and I went, yes, that's the point. Where are they made? Depends where they were made. It's like, she kept saying it like a loop. And I was like, that's so weird. And she said, you can email. I said, well, I need it for a podcast tonight. And she said, well, I don't. She kept going off and asking. And she said, no one can tell us. No one can tell us. And I just thought, ooh. And I'm not calling out Ted Baker because I'm sure if my pants had been made by any other number of organisations, it'd be the same. This is not a special thing about Ted Baker. But it wasn't straightforward. I thought it should be more straightforward than that. They should say, B for Baker is made here. We don't use sweatshops, blah, 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 blah. Please go crazy. Welcome to the microphone, Deborah Francis Wax. So most of the clothes in the world are made by women. Most of the stitches that have ever been stitched in the world, in the history of the world, have been stitched by women. Name three famous fashion designers. First three on Google, Karl Lagerfeld, Alexander McQueen, and Ralph Lauren. Whenever there's a top spot, there's always a man in the fucking chair. The vast majority of meals in the history of humankind have been cooked by women. Three top celebrity chefs on Google, Anthony Bourdain, Gordon Ramsay, Jamie Oliver. Whenever there's a top spot, it's taken by a fucking man. Who does most of the admin and organising in the world? Women. Women, that is correct. When it comes to organising a movie, it's Jerry Bruckheimer, Michael Bay and Brian Grazer. Now, I ask women about producing a film and they often say, I can possibly do that. I can possibly produce a film. It's too much responsibility. Who produces Christmas in your house? It's not a fucking man. <laughs> 
Last time you went on a group trip to the cinema or the theatre, last time someone said, oh, we should all go together, I'll book the tickets. I know, it, to an absolute certainty, it was not a man, and if it was, it was a gay man. <laughs> Put up your hand if the last time you went to the theatre or a group trip anywhere, Alton Towers, I don't care where it was, a straight man coordinated it. There's one person there, lies. That's lies. <laughs> Who was the straight man? What was it? It must have been Spider-Man or something. What was it too? He's a very good friend of mine, but he does... He's just... He's particularly sensitive. He's gay. That's what... He hasn't... He hasn't... He, he might not have understood it yet. Is he, What did he organise it to, though? What was it a to? It was a night out. Where? In Peckham. Uh, in Peckham? <laughs> well... Sounds about right for a straight man. <laughs> no, out in Peckham. He didn't take you to a beautiful piece of Chekhov at the National Theatre, did he? No, absolutely. I think my point is made, although it's been slightly undermined. Uh, somebody there? Was somebody there? Do you said a straight man organised something? Was it you? Did you organise a thing? Oh, tell me about it. I bought tickets to a show. Was it this one? It was. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah! okay. That's gone horribly wrong for everyone. Did you... You coordinated Guilty Feminist tickets. You are the best straight man in the history of straight men. What is your name, best straight man? Jack. Jack, best straight man in the history of straight men. I'm going to make you a badge to that effect. Uh, I'm not making that up. I'm going to make you a badge and send it to you in the post that's going to say best straight man in the history of straight men. Um, you actually did that. How many people did you coordinate? Two. Two, right. That's not a group trip. That's not a group trip. That's trying to impress a girl. You're, are you dating the person you brought? Yeah. And are you trying to impress her with feminism? Yeah. Yes! I knew it! I knew it! I knew it! This is not organising ten people to go and see Kinky Boots, is it? I wish no one over here. We've got two. So both our husbands are really organised. Two organised husbands, yes. We went to Fireworks Night this weekend. Fireworks Night this weekend. And, like, 20 people in total. And my husband was not <gasps> 13 people sleeping over and 20 people in total. Seven who had went home to sleep in their own beds. That had to be organised. Your husband is now top straight man of the world. But it was essentially to see gunfire, wasn't it? Yeah, it was to see loud things explode. Uh, that's really what it was for. I'm not saying a man can't organise a trip to Top Gear, sure. But... Anything we'd want to go to, all I'm saying is as soon as there's a top spot and there is a restaurant opening, the chance of an Oscar or, in fact, a catwalk, a man will nick the spot. I've got a friend in publishing and uh, she said there are no men in publishing, basically. Like, there's 99% female, except for the CEO. It's always a man in charge. And she said, we don't know where they come from. <laughs> she said, we're all going along up the ladder, up the ladder, all women, all women, women, promoting each other, women helping each other. And suddenly you get to the top. And it's like a man pops out from a cupboard under the stairs and goes, mine. <laughs> Do you not think that's odd? Do you not think that's odd? Even in very female-oriented things, it's very, very odd. Here's the thing. This is where it gets serious, guys. 85 to 90% of sweatshop workers are women. But almost all people who are the bosses of sweatshops are men. So we've got to start demanding inclusion at the top. We're at the top. If we're not included, 
in our industries, in our Western world, if we go, oh, I could possibly go up for that job. If we don't include ourselves and go, I'd be brilliant at that job. I want an interview. Well, we're not sure you're ready. I want an interview. If we don't do that, then we won't be in the positions of influence and power to change situations for women, for example, who work in sweatshops. And that is something that we need to start doing. We need to start including ourselves so we can include others and change the world so that a man can take the credit. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com It's a great segue for bringing on our guest. She is an incredible comedian, actor, and generally all-round awesome person. Please put your hands together and make general hooing noises for Ashling B. Um, I really wish my sister could be here listening to you speak about this because so many things I am in no way an expert about ethical clothing Uh, my sister is a costume designer and she has been over the years trying to sort of slowly but surely uh, change little things in the world for costume and it was so interesting one two things actually one thing that you said Deborah um, was about how there's a man at the top of the company and then most textile workers are women But the problem is, and this is the guilty part of the guilty feminist, that most of the people buying the clothes are Mm. us, we're women, and it's our guilty secret, and we all know it, and sometimes it can feel so overwhelming, because women, and this, some people might be like, we don't, but we do, we love clothes, like women like their clothing, whether it's weird things, or a little Parisian French chic pair of trousers, we do like (laughs) clothes, and it's our guilty secret knowing that somewhere another woman had to suffer to make them. And like in our lifetime, like I'm 18 years of age. And <laughs> in my lifetime, I've never really known anything but fast fashion, which is you go into Primark, there's something new, there's something there and you grab it and it makes you feel better. And I think starting to be conscious because of Sinead, who had started becoming conscious about clothing, there's little things that you can do to change your habits. My sister has this thing she was telling me about and it's called a 30 wears challenge and it's about every time before you are about to grab something in like Primark or H&M or whatever it is you think to yourself will I wear this 30 times and if not then I won't bother this might sound like such an inane thing but I started um, I'm a new team captain on HH10 cats guys don't even worry about it but <laughs> last Ooh, week we did our on that, by the way. thanks very much um, but last week we started our first records and like the whole week I've been so nervous and thinking about doing it and the last thing like Sarah you know what it's like normally you're the only woman on a panel show and you're the only person whose clothes gets commented on where did you get your top you have very long arms would you not what start wearing long and I do have very long arms I know this because people on Twitter have put together a collection of photos of me going is it perspective or does we miss B just have really long arms it turns out I actually have really long arms I've measured them um, but I was so busy thinking about it I didn't go to the shops or try to find anything to wear and normally if it's a lad's 
James, Nish Kumar, whoever it is, nobody asks them where, what clothes they were wearing. They can wear the exact same thing again. And I just basically decided to grab two things I'd already worn on panel shows before. And it seems like such a tiny, inane thing to have done. But just the idea of going on telly going, yeah, do you know what? I didn't take it out to the garden and burn it after I wore it. I'm wearing the same thing to work twice. One of the shirts, my third panel show, I'm wearing it on. And little things like that, changing the idea that we have to, every time we go to a wedding, I can't wear the same dress as I wore to the other girl's wedding because she'll see it as a personal affront of how much she means to me oh, if I don't it, wear the same. Like, if I wear the same dress to her wedding, it'll be basically like me saying, eh, I don't give a shit about your marriage. I'll buy something new from Reese. <laughs> Sharon Horgan, who I work with a lot, you probably all know from Catastrophe and Pulling and the like. Oh, yeah. Yes, exactly. Woo! She's actually one of my unwitting fashion idols because I spent a lot of time in Sharon's house when she hasn't been there just <laughs> been checking out size of her pants. window just looking at what size pants she wears 8 to 10 but she gets a lot of her costumes in herself for catastrophe and she has a capsule wardrobe and she honestly wears about the same seven things mm. all the time and you'll see her down the street in the exact same thing she wore in catastrophe in her costume and then she'll go and present a British comedy award in the exact same thing that she wore in catastrophe and wore that day to bring her daughter to school and it's that sort of mindset if we change it that's how we start to change the idea of fast fashion I, I feel that's much more like my childhood mother sewed when I was growing up again this was before the second world war um, <laughs> what was the past like <laughs> <laughs> um, but they did in Australia where I grew up there was a pattern section in any department store and you'd go I feel like this has just turned into um, around the fireplace like <laughs> we used to sew and sewing was lovely it's a bit yeah. like that yeah and I, I mean I couldn't sew and actually my mother hated sewing mm. So she used to take us to the dressmaker and, you know, we'd choose the pattern and the fabric and stuff and you'd wait for your thing to be made. But then that was your good dress until you grew out of it. So if you had an occasion, that was you always had one good dress. Mm. and that was. But the why of that is because making clothes is hard. Making clothes is difficult. I tried to make a top and, like, it looked like I was in the care of the community once I wore that top. I was like, no, I made it myself. I'm proud of it. And people were like, are you OK? Do you know where your house is? And I was like, ah. um, Making clothes is difficult, and that part of it hasn't changed. What's changed is that we expect clothes for less. And I think we get this idea that, like, if they weren't in the factory, then they'd be on the streets. So we're technically giving them jobs. Mm. That's kind of a lie we tell ourselves to tell us that it's okay. But really, what changes the big business is the consumer. So for the last 30 years, we've been going, we want more stuff for less. That's what we want. I want 10 chickens for £3. That's what I want. And if I don't get it from you, Tesco, I'm going to get it from you, Lidl, and you're going to give me what I want. And we're like, okay, grant. And then the big man at the top says, okay, well, that's what they want. I'm going to put pressure on these people in the developing world to do that. If they don't do it, I'll go somewhere else because I know I'll always find someone who'll be able to supply it. And the same thing with clothes. We're like... We have this bragging thing where we feel it's not very arrogant. It's all going, oh, my God, I love your top. Oh, God, no, it only cost me two pounds. Don't, don't give me a comment, but it only cost me two pounds. And you're like, I like you, you're humble. But actually, and so it's a compliment in some way to a woman who's like, I haven't spent a penny on myself since 1992. I only spent two P to put my whole outfit together. That's how humble and great a woman I am. And actually, that's not a great thing. We're going, the tears of children wash these clothes. That's how great I am, in a sense. Like, that's what, what we're... What do we feel, though, about... It's all very well us being middle class and, and also mm-hmm. all of us have got jobs that allow us to buy 
really beautiful quality things. If you are in this disposable culture, mm -hmm. and say you're a single mother, mm -hmm. and your little girl wants to go off to the school dance, and she wants a new dress, because everyone's got a new mm -hmm. dress, she doesn't want to go in one that you've made at home, yeah. because no one does that anymore, and that's embarrassing. Yeah. Do you say to your little girl, you can't have a dress because the only dress we can afford is from Primark or similar? But see, I feel again, this is the sort of argument that gets brought up to kind of place it away from us and ourselves. Okay, uh, here's an analogy. I remember, I grew up in the middle of nowhere in Ireland and we would go to this uh, summer camp. This is going to seem so alien to you guys if you're all from Brexit. Um, <laughs> but I used to go to this summer camp and they're called the Gaeltacht and you go for three weeks away from your house and you speak Irish, which is a different language not just an accent, it's a Gaelic. You go and you speak it for three weeks to sort of connect with your uh, sort of stones or whatever of the, the land of Ireland, the mysticism. And I remember we were so from the countryside, like we had a notion in our head about what any cool things were, but the girls from Dublin were there and they would hang around in their Dublin packs. And whatever they started doing, I remember they started wearing um, rip-off trousers. Do you remember the sort of trousers that you'd be just finishing button on them and then someone come, ha ha, prove you're like, oh no, I have to start again. Rip-off trousers like American basketball players wore because we really wanted to wear that in Ireland. We, were, we didn't even have basketball court, we didn't know what a basketball was. Um, but we wanted the trousers. And there was this trickle-down effect from the girls in the influential cities that finally got to us, and that's what we wanted to emulate. And it's the same thing if you look at any big designer. Cheryl Cole, who has enough money, wears something, and next thing you know, it's in the shop. And it has a trickle-down effect from we're sitting here on a stage, we're on telly or whatever it is, and that's how you change things slowly but surely. And eventually, you get to the point where, like, we all grew up with like different forms of refuse sacks being our Halloween costumes. Like, what are you? I'm a ghost. What are you? I'm a witch. But we're all wearing refuse sacks. It all exists in our minds. Um, I've got a potato on my head. Clearly, I'm the Prime Minister of England. Um, you know, and you change, you change habits by being brave enough not to be sort of ashamed of things. You go to a wedding going, yeah, I love this dress so much. I've worn it 14 times because people keep on getting married and I'm still alone. That's not my own mind. <laughs> But I'm just saying that's that's how you start to change stuff. Uh, can I give you a little dilemma that I had recently? Please. So my friend Kat flies light aircraft. She lives in Jersey. And so she was going over to Calais well before it was fashionable. Mm -hmm. and, so fashionable uh, right now. It's new yeah, avocados well, on it's, toast. It's past fashionable now because it's closed down. But it, it really early doors. She was going over and she was taking supplies from Jersey and doing all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. And one thing that happened when she was out there most recently was the men that would try, they try and walk to the checkpoints and every night they try and escape. And when they would walk to this checkpoint, the police would, to discourage any more coming, they'd take their shoes. To send the message back, don't bother going to the checkpoints, they'll just take your shoes. And it was coming into winter, and some of them still had flip-flops from the previous year, but they didn't have proper shoes. So she was saying on Facebook, hey, anyone in Jersey, I'm flying to Calais on Friday, could you please donate your second-hand shoes? And I thought, fuck, now you imagine, it's winter, you're going to be homeless, and now you're going to be in second-hand shoes. So I said, well, what if I send someone Amazon Prime? Hmm. And then I put it on Facebook and said, hey, here's all the sizes we need. Will everyone volunteer just to send one or two yes. pair of shoes? If you can afford to send five, lovely. And so I picked a link and I found these really nice looking solid trainers that were 20 quid. And loads of people started doing it and sharing mm. it and loads of shoes arrived. And then afterwards I thought, I bet you anything 20 quid trainers were made in a sweatshop. 
And mm. that's the mm. problem with contemporary life and capitalism. But every time you try that's and do a situation a good thing. where if you look at, say, fast food, fast food comes from this is now, this is, I'm going to put my glasses for this. Hello! For the podcast people at home, she's wearing glasses. She must be about to make a big point. Um, fast food was made to feed a post war generation in America. It was made because people didn't have any food and they needed a way of keeping stuff on people's shelves longer so people could eat for longer. Same with cereal. There's no nutritional value to cereal, but it was made as a sort of way of feeding the poorest people mm. who had no access to fresh vegetables or whatever. So in a sense, cheap stuff like that, you shouldn't feel guilty. In that situation, it's about consciousness and the fact that you're even thinking about that is a start of a positive change. I think sometimes it feels so overwhelming. I used to get this real panic about bananas. I was like, I love bananas. I love bananas. I know they're full of potassium. It's lovely to have a banana. I feel like bananas are a great snack. They're not a chocolate bar. A great sugary snack to bring around with you and give you some energy. But the bananas are from a country that doesn't respect human rights. And sometimes those bananas have pesticides on them. I know I'll get a fair trade banana. But if I get a fair trade banana, it's still been flown in. Oh, the air miles. Oh my God, all that carbon footprint. What am I going to do? Bananas! They've sent me bananas! And so you can kind of go bananas if you look at it in an overwhelming way but sometimes you're going no just buy a fair trade banana and then next week see if there's something else you can do like if you slowly but surely go through life trying to be kind and ethical I think we'll all get there also no matter what small amount of money anybody has and it's very very easy to feel Mm -hmm. very unempowered every time you buy something you are voting for a company and every company wants your money Mm. whether you're buying a banana or a t-shirt there's a whole thing like at the moment they're like oh veganism has increased by 148% in six years and da 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 and it's huge shops and stuff is expensive mm-hmm. and that's because all of the companies went like oh people want vegan stuff or vegetarian stuff and so they're not doing it because they're nice they're doing it because you bought it yes and then other people buy it, and it will be the same with clothes there was a really really scary statistic and it was something like um, we only need to pay people in sweatshops oh here we go a study showed that doubling the salary of sweatshop workers would only increase the consumer cost of an item by 1.8%, while consumers would be willing to pay 15% more to know a product did not come from a sweatshop. 1.8%, we would not notice that, most of us. And I'm aware some listeners may say, I would notice it, but most of us wouldn't. We'd just buy, or just Kate buy Middleton, one top instead of two tops. There was this Kate Middleton yeah. dress that she wore. And you know when Kate Middleton wears something, it ends up everywhere, and everyone wants to wear it afterwards. You're like, oh my god, maybe I could be a princess. <laughs> and if that dress had cost one pound fifty more, it would have been fair trade. But instead, they made it for that sort of like ninety nine pounds mark, which seems more attractive as a consumer, and it meant that it was made in sort of slave labour and cheaper. And my that- I shouldn't have said his name. Just, just, we'll edit that out. Someone I know um, <laughs> went to prison. Um, <laughs> oh, we totally have to keep that in there. No, please, no. I mean, I know he won't listen to this, but still, guys. But his business model, and this has been since the 80s, he has a market stall in Romford, and he found out that in Pakistan and other places, they had all of the major labels were making um, clothes. No, it's not counterfeits. So other people on the market were making counterfeit versions of Calvin Klein pants or Nike trainers. And he found out that it would be cheaper to fly there and offer them more for the products and then come back and he was selling genuine stuff at a much cheaper price because his business model of, and, and his in prison who's oh, the bad well, he didn't pay tax like my guy. so oh, okay. that's right. <laughs> <laughs> chopped chopped I, I have a friend who's in tech and banking he's in tech banking and he said oh an iPhone should cost us a thousand pounds 
-hmm. He said the reason it doesn't is because none of us want to pay that. Yeah. End of story. None of us want to pay that. We want a new iPhone every 18 months. That's what we've got used to. And we want to pay, you know, 150 quid with a contract that also allows us to text everyone we've ever met for nothing. And so this is the <laughs> dilemma. This is the dilemma. I can feel it here in the room almost. You can feel it like, like you start going, oh, God, I've got an iPhone. I've got glasses. They're plastic. Oh, my God, that's going to end up killing a fish in the face. Oh, my God, my wool. Oh, my God, my juice. My and, but if you start conscientiously going, do you know what? I do have an iPhone. Maybe I'll recycle all my other iPhones and I won't just kind of throw them in the bin going, wonder where that goes. Meh. You're like, where do you recycle batteries? Really? Where do they go? I don't know. Like, slowly but surely, if you start making conscientious change, there's no kind of um, big brother or X factor for kind people. There's no... They, there, should there should be. Who is the kindest person? <laughs> like, there's no version of that. If we try to promote... Ready, steady, give. <laughs> I really would like that. But if we but try just, and be kind... Could you just go, mm, everyone just close their eyes. This is how we often do it at the Guilty Feminist. Just close your eyes and just go, mm, if you'd rather an iPhone cost a £1,000 but things were nicer for other people, just go, hmm? If you mm. wasn't enthusiastic, was it? No. If you'd rather keep having your technical things as they are, your iPhones as they are, just go. Mm. Mm. If I'm honest, that's the thing. If I'm honest, and it does feel like sometimes I watch, you know, the Hunger Games. Has anyone read the Hunger Games? Yeah. Yeah. You know the way there's the... I love one person admitted down the front. She's like, I like children's books. <laughs> Me too, madam. Um, I got an audiobook. I've never learned to read. I'm a guilty feminist. Um, but in the Hunger Games, there's kind of like this first-level world, and they're all having a great time at the expense of all the other worlds. You do sort of, like, associate with some parts of that. You're like, oh, we are having a great time at the expense of others. Mm. But I do, I do think it's a feminist issue, and I think the great thing about women is... While we're highly emotive, they say, Nietzsche used to say that the crowd is feminine. So the crowd and how a, a mass or a mob reacts is feminine. And I, I feel Nietzsche was being a bit misogynistic there or a bit stereotypical. Oh, he, did, he did have a habit of being, he was like, very binary. Like, and, he did say, and he did say huge sweeping things about... Yeah, because yeah. women are not all emotional. No. I don't think that's... No, I'd, but I think, that, I think the stereotype to say that like, that's a problem definitely exists sure. I no, actually think I it's a hear, good thing we're emotional hear. we should be going oh we're going to invade a war that makes me sad good it shouldn't make you sort of like go beep, beep, beep. let me do about the numbers to be fair if you're going to invade a war maybe you're trying to stop it <laughs> invade a war my English not so good since we move here <laughs> does anyone have a question there's a question there where'd you get your top it's lovely bet a child made it Jokes, guys! Just trying to lighten the mood! <laughs> That's actually what I wanted to talk about. Sorry oh, yeah, actually. sorry, yeah. Hi. Hi. Hello, love you all very much. Oh. Um, so talking about the 30 wares mm -hmm. and um, vintage, yes. I wondered, uh, I'm plugging a little bit here, how many people considered shopping in charity shops? Oh. All the time. Um, so this starts from a charity shop. Yeah. My friend and I work for a charity, which has shops. What's the charity you work for? Yeah, I'd love if Maybe. Adidas wrote in we're like I can't believe yeah. you gave cancer research a shout out and not us <laughs> it's WTF I'll be honest with you it's not the BBC it's the internet and <laughs> you, can see, you can see a lot worse than uh, someone plugging a cancer research shop <laughs> on <laughs> Her Majesty's internet but it's two way isn't it because it's shopping at charity shops and then giving things to charity shops yeah. and you know you're not going to hit those 30 words or I bought it but it's not me or I wore it
it wants and it's also mm. it's doing that thing and making yeah. sure it's there for other people can it's... I be honest though and say because I buy the same thing over and over again I am convinced I once bought my own jacket <laughs> from, from I think I've Help the Aged yeah. I donated a jacket to Help the Aged and, and I went in two weeks later and went oh this is me <laughs> and the reason I know it was mine is because I found notes for Tissues a comedy in set the in the pocket <laughs> That's cut, true. You've cut out all the sizes in case anyone looks at it. <laughs> but I thought to myself, I thought, you know, that's probably my best... Being in show business, I don't have a pension. I thought that's my best pension plan, is just to keep giving... Deborah, and buying, get, giving, get giving my, buying my own clothes from Help the Aged. <laughs> and then at some point, hopefully, Help the Aged will come around and help me. But also, seriously, get a pension. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I will get a pension. I think my pension is just going to be get really successful. That's my pension. Okay, there are a lot of but very, then... very old people who thought that, and now they're a burden on the state. So... <laughs> that is not the view... That's... If you're listening at home... A, let's all just get the a pension. The views of the Guilty Purpose podcast is not that. that you are a burden on the state. <laughs> just to be incredibly clear and inclusive. Yes, so yes, we should the, give to charity shops and shop from charity again, shops. again, just change the stigma of buying stuff out of charity shops. This week on 8 out of 10 cats, I'll be wearing a jumper I bought for £3 in a charity shop. It's one of my favourite jumpers. And I know that sounds so like a, oh, Ashling, we're waiting for your sainthood. But little small <laughs> things like that. I did a Christmas last year where, because I just think at Christmas we buy each other all of this crap. Oh my God. It's just nonsense. It's just sort of stocking fillers and it's just like a book of 10 Winston Churchill sayings. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck? And it just, then you just give it away to Oxfam. And so I decided I was going to do, um, I tried to find like little antique things and vintage things online mm -hmm. that were really personal, like mm -hmm. lots of things off eBay, yeah. but they were already in the world. And I was stopping them from going into a landfill. And I felt so good about myself. My well, hashtag yeah. smug Christmas. My family don't do presents. I mean, we Neither never do, do we, just, we just get together and row, yeah. and it's lovely. <laughs> now, I promise you, like, there's this bit of kids, but we don't, none of us get anything for anyone. And it's just so, and you don't have to, and also it's not not Christmassy. It stops you having that sick feeling when someone you love proves they don't know you very well. <laughs> <laughs> Inside wrapping paper. I love How did you start though. that though, Sarah? Because I, oh. to do that in my family, I had to start by looking like an ungrateful yes. yacht. Yeah. So I was like, guys, I don't want any presents this year. I have enough stuff. Mm. My house is starting to look like it needs an E4 documentary to come in and like find me in amongst the rats. Like, I'm like, oh, I've been here for a hundred years. I can't give away that plastic bag. It's my special plastic bag. <laughs> like, so I was like, I can't bring any more stuff back from Ireland in a suitcase. And so one Christmas, uh, so people still was like, ah, she would love this present. And when I opened it, I had to go, I didn't want anything. And that's a really bitchy thing to say to someone. But you have to like, it's kind of tough love. Really? I was like, I didn't want, I don't want anything, thank you, but I, I don't need any more stuff. I'm like, buy a goat in Africa. Like, get me a goat. Get me a goat that's I'll never see. That's problematic as well. Yeah. There was a big give the mosquito net in malaria areas for Christmas, mm. you know, because you want to be. You know, and their houses are like, oh, I've got so many mosquito nets. No. I'm going to have to get an E4 show in. What happened was that local mosquito net sellers went out of business because, mm. you know, if you can get yeah. them free, and it actually fucked their economy up quite significantly. So I'm not saying don't do those things, but I'm saying look into them because it's also complicated when you try and do the right thing. Yeah. Sometimes these band-aids things that we do. And also being at the do. top, and this is the thing, this whole discussion mm. is so fascinating and also so difficult because we're still these, like, big lobby winners at the top going, oh, but yeah. how can we help? Like, what can we do? And this, like, and that's the thing. Like, <laughs> but it makes everything it has ramifications. Yeah, we ha also have to admit that 
because of our life choices and we enjoy it and we benefit from it we are at the top and it is it, there is a form of we are patronizing i know we are this is the way in which we are a manifestation of the patriarchy gang this is amazing michael frayne quote and he was asked in the 70s about why satire didn't change anything because you had all of these comics criticizing a system and the system wasn't changing and he said anyone who has a voice has to admit the system is working for them mm. so actually it's very easy to talk about something and how we should make it better, but also understanding we're the bad guys. Yeah. I do think we have to look at the part of this problem, especially with clothing, a female-driven problem. Our consumerism is, is female-driven a lot of the time. And I do, do think we've got to be careful that we're not white feminists who are going... Well, I've made a little bit more room in the lifeboat. There's the Titanic sinking. That wasn't my fault. I didn't sink it. And look, I've budged up a bit. And while some people are just drowning around us, and what we're not doing is dragging them out and saying, come into the boat. We're going, look, I've done my bit. If everyone else budged up a bit, there'd be room for one more person. Oh, well, there isn't. Anyway, I've got a lovely packet of crisps. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like that I, is a, I participate I so many in white Where were the crisps in the Titanic? Um, <laughs> where did you get the crisps? How did they not get damp? Were they still crunchy? So many questions in the metaphor for me. I, I, Such I, an Irish person. <laughs> a lot. Obsessed with the potatoes. <laughs> I really do love them. She knows me a long questions. time. That's not even being xenophobic. I love potatoes. Love them. Ashlyn, do you have anything to plug? Um, being kind. That could do with a plug. Yeah. yeah. Hey, being, ha- being people a, over being... here were like, we're not even going to clap being kind. <laughs> if you just said a panel show, we would have been like, woo, holla. But p- kindness. Well, being a, being a female team captain of a, of a British panel First show. First one they've had on that show. Coming nothing, over here, yeah, taking all your team, jobs. <laughs> <laughs> we have now Sandy Toxvig hosting QI and we have Ashling B team captaining uh, Sue Perkins, Sue Perkins doing doing her same here. Perkins, etc. And there's lots of shows now that have 50% or better in terms of female mm-hmm. favour. I wouldn't say changing. lots, I'd say some. Okay, two. Yeah, that's <laughs> I'd say, but compared to you. three years ago, oh, compared so to three years many. ago, wow. Yeah, but I'm not. It's also, again, it's things like, you know how that came from? It was consumer demand. Yeah, it was. People audiences wanted changed. more female audiences scripts changed. because yeah. loads of women went to the box office when bridesmaids came out. Yeah, and it was all about money. That's and when they them. see money can be made out of women doing well, that's when it all starts to go off. What's that? Pay us more, pay exactly. Us more. Pay, us yeah, more. pay us more. Pay us more. Pay us more. I thought I'd get a chant going. I, I, I feel like I feel like you heckled us. Okay, um, we'll have a whip round, Sarah. Do you have any cash for this lady? We should pay her I've more. I've got loads of money. <laughs> we have to give her back her ticket price, unfortunately. Would Plus like twenty-two percent. Would you like to plug your book again? Because this is yes, going to go book. out at a separate time. <gasps> yes, Sarah's so, book. I wrote a book called Animal, and and if and so it's about good. how the female body evolved, and it's funny, and some of it's interesting. It's and all I'd love brilliant to read and that. interesting. And I have a podcast called Global Pillage. You can listen to it at globalpillage.net or come and see it live. It's diversity-based and it came out of a guilty feminist challenge. Uh, that also has a woman in the hosting seat, me. Woo! And we never, ever have more men than women. And we often have more women than men. We Sometimes we have all women, but I try and find a man for diversity. Um, <laughs> it's true. It's true. I can't always... I don't always have room for one, but I do my best. Um, but a man has to bring another sort of diversity. Follow The Guilty Feminist on Twitter at guiltfempod. Check out our Instagram, instagram.com forward slash The Guilty Feminist. Like our Facebook page. Sign up to our mailing list to get notified as soon as a new episode is released. And please, please go to iTunes and rate five stars. Or Review... as many stars as you think it's worth. 
They told me to say five. It helps other people find the podcast. You have been listening to The Guilty Files with me, Deborah Francis White, guest host Sarah Pascoe, and our special guest, Ashling Mee. The recording engineer was Chris Sharp. The music was by Mark Hodge. The producer was Tom Selinsky for the Spontaneity Shop. Thanks to Zoe, Meta, Lauren, and everyone at King's Place, as well as all of you for listening. For more information about this and other episodes, visit guiltyfeminist.com. I'd love if Deborah used it a, a, like opportunity to say like some really right wing nasty stuff. <laughs> even I couldn't Snip hear from here. I was like, I mean, I don't know what I'm clapping. <laughs> if I'm honest, I nearly said my knicker size. <laughs> a post guilty feminist podcast recording footnote by Ashling B. If you'd like to hear more about ethical fashion and fair fashion and little tips and tidbits on where to buy stuff, may I recommend following my sister Sinead on Instagram and on Twitter under her handle at the costume directory. Peace out, brothers and sisters. Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com.